Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen, and today is July 5th. Today we are going to begin this week's Come Follow Me block. This week's block is very short. It's Alma chapter 30 and 31. So we have an entire week to study just two chapters. So I'm excited to get in there and to really dive a little deeper this week. In Alma chapter 30, we are introduced to yet another and arguably the most famous Antichrist of the Book of Mormon. Now, remember, the definition of an Antichrist is anyone or anything that counters the true gospel plan, or that secretly or openly opposes Christ. In a talk called The Book of Mormon is the Word of God, President Benson said, The Book of Mormon brings men to Christ through two basic means. First, it tells in plain manner of Christ and his gospel. It testifies of his divinity and the necessity for a Redeemer and the need of our putting trust in him. Second, the Book of Mormon exposes the enemies of Christ. It confounds false doctrine and lays down contention. My friends, remember that the Book of Mormon was given for us in our day. Heavenly Father wants to teach us about these Antichrists because he knows how prevalent they will be in the latter days. The adversary has not changed his tools, but he has been strengthening them over the years. So today I'm going to do a quick review of the Antichrists that we've seen in the Book of Mormon so far. As we review these false teachings, these tools that the adversary uses, ask yourself, How does Satan use that same tool or that same false doctrine in the world today? Because when we recognize the lies of the adversary, when we call out these modern-day antichrists, it makes it easier for us to follow the Savior. So the first one is actually Sherem, and if you remember, Sherem came in Jacob's day. Some of the false doctrines that he taught were, he tried to overthrow the doctrines of Christ. He used flattery to win believers. Remember, he told them what they wanted to hear, whether it was true or not. He tried to accuse the prophet of teaching false doctrines. He refused to believe anything that he couldn't see, and he demanded signs. In what ways do we see these things in our world and in our society now? How do we see people trying to overthrow the doctrines of Christ? Or to use flattery to tell us that whatever we're doing is fine and dandy? How do we see people accusing the prophets or refusing to believe things that they can't see and teaching us that we should do the same? How do we see these things in our lives and in our surroundings, in our media? In what ways are these false teachings of Antichrist prevalent in our society? The next false Christ that we see is Nehor. Now, Nehor didn't outright lie like the other Antichrist that we see in the Book of Mormon. He was a lot more subtle, but he was a lot more destructive. If you notice, we've seen ever since Nehor, when there's been a really bad group of Lamanites, it tells us that they followed after the order of Nehor. So Nehor totally changed this society. Long after he had died, he had changed the face of the Lamanites forever. If you'll remember, Nehor began the practice of priestcraft, which was the idea that teachers and priests should hold power and privilege rather than serve out of love. He believed that teachers and priests should be paid money. 
and that they should be held to this kind of exalted station. He taught half-truths to win believers. He taught that God existed, that he was great, that he was the creator, that he was powerful. But he also taught that God would exalt everyone, that there was no need for repentance because it didn't matter what we did, that there was no good or evil, but that because God loved us, God would save all his children and that we would all be granted eternal life no matter what. Nehor also resorted to violence to try to force his message when he killed Gideon. So how do we see these same teachings of Antichrist in our day? This idea of priestcraft, or to preach, or to teach for power, or position, or money. What half-truths are being taught to us to try to lure us away from the true gospel of Christ? How are we taught that repentance isn't needed? that God loves all his children and so everyone will be exalted? In what ways do we see people using violence to push and force their message? How do you see the practices and teachings of Nehor in our day? And now finally, in this chapter that we're just beginning today, Alma chapter 30, we are going to be introduced to Korahor. And we'll get deeper into his teachings as we continue to search this chapter. But just a general idea of what he taught was that there was no Christ, So there was no need for an atonement because there was no right, there was no wrong, there was no such thing as sin. He also taught that there was no such thing as prophecy. Have you heard any of those in our day? Sometimes they're subtle and sometimes they're in your face, but we see the teachings of the Antichrist in our society. And God gives them to us here in the Book of Mormon so that we can recognize the tools of the adversary, so that we can see them plain and clear for what they are so that when we are approached with them in our day, we can recognize them and we can run from them. Okay, so like I said, we will study more of Korhor's teachings and his lies as we go throughout this chapter. But to end on a slightly more positive note here, let's take a look at verse 8. In this verse, Alma is quoting the Old Testament, and he says, For thus saith the Scriptures, Choose ye this day whom ye will serve. Now, I love this scripture. I love it in the book of Joshua, and I love it here because I love the idea of choice, of choosing every single day to serve and to worship God. I think I've shared this before, but I've had two really amazing experiences as I have had the chance to visit with a couple people of other faiths. The first was two years ago when I had the chance to visit a Hare Krishna temple with my sister and her best friend as part of a Relief Society activity. As we were there, and as we got the chance to see how they worship, it is very purposeful. There are specific things that they say, specific dance moves, specific instruments that they play, incense that they light. Everything that they do is very, very purposeful very intentional. And not only that, but they are expected to visit that temple multiple times every day to recite those prayers and to do those very specific things. The second experience I had, and I know I've told you about this one, was the chance that I had to sit down for a day with a Jewish woman from Boston. What struck me so much about this experience was learning about how they're expected to visit synagogue five times a day for prayer. On top of that, to see the very intentional ways that they 
not only eat, but the way they prepare or store food, the very specific ways that they educate their children. Everything that she talked about, everything that she did, she did extremely intentionally. Now, the interesting thing is, is that with both of these religions, they were consistently choosing their worship. And in both of these experiences, I walked away wanting to worship more intentionally, to not go through the motions of worship, to not go through the motions of prayer or Sabbath or temple attendance or scripture study, but to worship God intentionally with every part of my thoughts and with every part of my actions. When Alma quotes this scripture and says, choose ye this day whom ye will serve, I love that he says this day. Because if every single day we intentionally ask ourselves who we are going to serve, then every single day we will intentionally make choices to serve God. My friends, I desire to be so much more intentional in my worship, to put my thought, to put my efforts, to put my energies into my worship of my Father in heaven. I want to this day and every day for the rest of my life choose to worship and serve him. Thank you so much for listening today. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen. Mm-hmm.